Great coaches ask great questions. days at work are the days when the light bulb goes on for somebody else. Hello and welcome to On It, Not In It, the interview series. I am your host, Todd Eppert, and today I'm joined by Jeffrey Price, who's the Chief Executive Officer at Plan Logistics Solutions. Jeffrey, thank you so much for joining us, and also thank you so much for your service to our country. Would you like to kick us off with a brief background as to who you are and what you do? Yeah, well, I appreciate you first, Todd, for having me. And thank you as well for acknowledging being a veteran. Um, I have the flag behind me. It's just with Veterans Day coming up. It's just a special place in my heart. And that ties into my testimony and how I started my company. So I'm going to get through 30 years in about two minutes or less. So <laughs> we can <laughs> not be too long on this part of our uh, conversation for the podcast. So long story short, um, I am an Army veteran. I got my background in logistics from being in the military. So growing up with my family and my structure, um, it's always been on my heart to serve and be in the military, especially when 9-11 hit. I was um, in ninth grade, so I was a freshman in high school. And that moment really shaped that I wanted to give back and fight for our country. And plus, my grandfather was a Vietnam veteran, met my grandmother while he was stationed in Panama, so it's always been a part of our family lineage to give back. So um, in 2012, I joined the military. My military job was a transportation management coordinator, which what that entails is we arrange shipments all across the United States and globally on behalf of the military. So we work with the Air Force, the Marines, uh, the Navy, all the branches of the government and all the branches of the military. So fast forward, I joined in 2012, had an excellent career finished 100% on every test in the Army Transportation School. And that's really when I found my gifting, so to speak, Todd, mm -hmm. to where I'm like, I really didn't know what I wanted to do um, once college was finished. But um, the military really opened that door. So I deployed to Afghanistan. Our mission there was just shutting down uh, bases, pulling containers out, sending them back to the United States, other places such as that. And uh, when I got back, I got a job at Honda being a global transportation manager. So literally kind of like my career has always been in logistics, got the footing in the army, then went to Honda, rose up very well there just with leadership and just putting those military values in corporate America. And uh, of course, COVID came in 2020. And at that point, everybody got furloughed in North America at once, except for the people who were in global supply chain, which was my role. And that at and that was my aha moment. You know, that was the moment where I'm like, man, I'm they're trusting me with billion dollar decisions working at home. And uh, I need to really share that gift to the world. So I was reading the book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, really changing my mindset about the way I looked at entrepreneurship and leadership. And at that moment, I was like, you know what? I need to take that leap of faith. So at that point, we um, I told my wife that, hey, I want to start at this freight brokerage. I've been doing transportation logistics for a long time. I really feel like there's an opportunity there. She's like, you're crazy. She's like, um, we're in the middle of COVID. What do you mean you want to start a business? But um, long story short, she supported me. We took out a home equity line of credit. That's how we funded the company. And um, it's been going great ever since. I ended up leaving Honda in 2021 because um, unfortunately, as an entrepreneur, 
the company's only going to grow as much as I can put into it. So I knew that there had to be a line in the sand to where I would be doing Honda a disservice if I stayed there and I wasn't fully committed, as well as doing my own company the same way. So I left and business has been great. Um, as of as of the end of September, we're close to about two million in sales. And that's pretty good for our industry, especially with the way the economy has been in supply chain and transportation. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing your background there. I really appreciate it, Jeffrey. So uh, yeah, we had talked a little bit before we started, and my dad was also a Marine uh, in Korea, uh, served in the military, and uh, it was I just missed my opportunity. My dad convinced me to go to college for a year, and when I came back, it was like, I think I like college better than serving, but uh, so, you know, when you're younger and you're uh, 18, 19, I was a little selfish. It sounds like you were a little more generous, and that's good. Uh, thank you. Thank you again for your service. So you talked a little bit about what inspired. It sounds like it was the military that really drove the passion around logistics, uh, and then it was COVID that made you realize that this industry really is kind of bulletproof, it sounds like. Um, yeah. And then you had to make this difficult leap with your wife to uh, get her on board, but she she supported you. And then you, um, I like to tell entrepreneurs, sometimes when you start your business, you stand at the open uh, of the opening of your plane with your parachute on. And sometimes you jump out and hope your parachute opens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes you just jump out and just assume it's going to open. And it sounds like yeah. eventually you took that leap. Um, and it sounds like you have uh, you, your parachute open and you're doing quite well. So that's great. So uh, thank you for sharing that. So just out of curiosity, what are some common misconceptions about running a business and how do you address them? You know, a common misconception that I see, especially in the beginning, is that people want to romanticize entrepreneurship. You know, people think it's so easy. I'll get all this time. And really, especially when you're first starting, and it's a, a from the ground up business, not like a franchise, like a, a Chick-fil-A or McDonald's where you kind of have a blueprint to follow. But when you're starting something, creating a brand and things of that nature, I mean, when I first started, I was working about, I don't know, maybe 70 to 80 hours a week. Now that we have more things in control, I actually have staff and manpower. I've delegated more and I can take some of the hats off. But I think the biggest misconception is that it's going to be easy but it's really not, especially when you're starting off. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I appreciate you sharing that. You know, um, the, uh, the on it, not in it podcast speaks to that from the perspective of oftentimes we start the business and we end up working in our business and really working for our business, almost like it's a job, right? Um, you have to work on your business to make it better and to improve it. And so, uh, yeah, that's a great, you talked about the misconception that that really comes from the, a great book called The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. You probably read that one as well, like you read Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. So you're you're well read in some really good books that drive entrepreneurial growth. So uh, that's great. Uh, so you mentioned a little bit about those days of working long hours. So how, and you also mentioned delegating, but what are, what kind of rituals and habits have you developed to kind of maintain that work-life balance? as you balance between this business ownership and then your family and your, your wife and your, your, um, your personal life. That's a great question, Todd. And um, what I found for me personally is work-life balance from a true startup is really hard to find. So I had to kind of change the words around and call it work-life harmony. So to get that harmonious sync is really getting the buy-in, getting the yes from everybody that loves me, that cares about me, that supports me. So for me, we have three children, 16, 14, and my son will be two. So getting the buy-in from the family support from not just my parents, but my mother-in-law for her to come over and watch my son so I can work those odd hours, take calls, 
from my father that comes over in the mornings just to watch my son. So, I mean, my whole family has a buy-in to support me with the business because we're building a legacy as a family. And I think that's what there's also a special spot for being a family-owned business as an entrepreneur as well. You know, my wife and I, we own our company straight out. You know, we funded it ourselves using our own funds. I'm the CEO. She's the CFO. So having that partnership also has strengthened our marriage as well. And unfortunately, you see a lot of entrepreneurs who don't have that. And the divorce rate is so high because they don't have the buy-in with their family to where one person's super gung-ho, but you leave your wife or your spouse out. And next thing you know, you have a divided house and then everything gets messy. So I think that buy-in, getting everybody who loves and supports me, and also just managing time that way. I try to get up really early, but also I realize that there's certain times to where I can't and being honest and giving myself some grace as well and really having that keen sense of self-awareness to know when I need to take a Sabbath and I'll tell my wife, like, look, I need to unplug. I'm going to take myself out to eat, do some gym time, read the Bible, whatever I need to do just to kind of um, refuel myself and take those honest breaks so that way I don't grind or wear myself out. Yeah, I love that. So the example of the the Sabbath in your case, it sounds like you have a religious background. And obviously, that's something more, that you plan into your week to take some personal rest some time for just yourself to rebuild and recharge so you can be there wholly for your business, for your family and your kids. And by the way, your wife must be a saint to have teenagers and a toddler in the same house. Amazing. <laughs> so, uh so, uh, you, hey, look, the business landscape, we've already talked about the pandemic and how it kind of drove your business startup, but the business landscape never changes. It's always evolving. That's the one thing that we can be certain of is that business, uh, the, the, the landscape around us will always be changing. So how do you stay adaptable and do you have any specific strategies uh, so you can remain innovative? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, what I like to say is when you look at that question and a lot of people always want to ask to piggyback off yours is, When's the best time to start a business? And really, that would be yesterday because the best time to start it is when you're ready because the industry is always going to change. So to answer your question, there's an acronym that I use called PAPER. And I say, if everything checks out on this acronym, then that's how you know that you're adaptable and you're adoptable as well to new practices. The first is the P is, are you passionate about it? Which you mentioned first, Todd. And the Greek word for passion means to suffer for, excuse me real quick. Got a little cough there, but being passionate about it first, then looking at your abilities, looking at your skill set to see how the market is changing and seeing where your target audience and your sweet spot is. Then the, the next P is for personality. You know, I'm naturally kind of introverted, but being the face of the franchise for a true startup, I have to push myself out of my comfort zone. And I think that's one thing that entrepreneurs need to be is to force themselves to be a little bit uncomfortable because any, any type of growth, whether it's physically, spiritually, mentally, there's going to be some pain involved, but that's what brings out the best out of our personalities. The E is for experience. I kind of share my experience starting the podcast, but really looking at that to see where you can leverage what makes you unique in the industry. For me, I always find a sweet spot and targeting customers right around Veterans Month. You know, as soon as November hits, people are going to be way more open to supporting a veteran-owned business. And that's when I throw in all my marketing, right when the fall hits between September going into October and November, because now people are like, you know what? I do want to support a veteran-owned business 
or I want to support a family owned business and try to find those key morals. And then ours for the resources. What resources do you have to leverage? When I started the company, I really knew nothing about LinkedIn. You know, I thought LinkedIn was just somewhere you go to look for jobs. But now I found in business to business sales, LinkedIn is my sweet spot. And I've done six figures off contacts that I've made through LinkedIn alone. Oh, that's fantastic. So congratulations on that. So uh, I have to ask, uh, Paper, uh, did you make that acronym up? And is I was going to hold this to the end, but is that part of the story that you tell in your book that you told me about earlier? Yeah, so um, that's the second book that I'm working on. I'm a writer by heart. I just love writing. So that book is called Paper. And the subtitle is A Proven Checklist for Business Startup Success. And I feel that any business, no matter what you do, as long as you're passionate about it, have the ability to do it, look at your internal skill set, be honest with your personality, partner with somebody that maybe has an opposite personality as you. My wife, she's very engineering mindset. She's a nurse practitioner by trade, works at the local children's hospital. So if I say, hey, Ty, we're going to step out on faith, take out a loan for $150,000, and we don't have one customer yet. She's going to say, no, Jeff, this better line up. You better have a plan. You better connect some dots. But she keeps me balanced. And then the E for experience and resources. So, yeah, um, I hope to release that book uh, next year sometime. The first book that I wrote is a book on leadership. And, um, yeah, it's, it's going very well. So what, tell us about the title of that book on leadership so that we can make sure that we put that link into our podcast link information and, and give you the opportunity to maybe have some people check out your book. Yeah, that's a, I appreciate that, Todd. That means a lot. So going back to my journey from starting my company, I started right in the middle of COVID. And, you know, with me already having a background in logistics, I tried to cherry pick people from different organizations and relationships that have built over 10 years of being doing it in the military and doing it on the civilian side. However, what I found is that a true startup takes so much work. And a lot of people say if they're going to school at the same time or they have like if they're deep in their own careers, it's very hard for them to stop and really put the work in to what it takes to get a startup really going. So between, I started the company in 2020, I had my fab five, so to speak, lined up. They all said yes to start with me. But then by 2021, once the ball really started going, I'm like, okay, the everything is done. I'm about to leave my job. We're about to do this full throttle. They're like, man, I, I really can't do it, Jeff. I can't commit the amount of time that you need. So literally I had to start all the way back over finding people to do it with me. And the people that I found, they didn't have a background in supply chain. They didn't have a background in logistics. I had to literally teach them everything that they know, but that brought out the better leader in me. You know, it made me a better leader, made me a better teacher. So that book is about that experience and how I found my new staff and I followed the process that I called the ins and outs of leadership, but not like I in, I use E-N on the wordplay. And the process that I have is first you lead with engagement, because if you meet people where they are, they'll follow where you go. So this team, I met them where they are, right where um, they were working, what they were doing, and just their whole personalities. I was very engaging. Then you enlighten them. I shared the hope, the vision, what we were doing with the company, where it was going. After I enlightened them, I encouraged them. I started working their hearts, just really building a passion inside of them for what we were building as a true startup. 
And then after I encouraged them, I entrusted them. And that's that momentum for movement to where now I have accountability, which is the who, responsibility is the what, and that consistency, which is the glue between the two. So after I built the entrusting factor, then I enabled them and I gave them permission to be great. And because I followed that process, my return on that investment with all those ENs is they actually enjoy their job. They're enthusiastic about their work. They're enamored because they don't love just what we're doing. They love the who and the why behind it. They found enrichment, which is value and purpose. And finally, they've been able to endure with me. So ever since I started following those ends of leadership, I've had very minimal turnover over the last two years. Awesome. And what's officially the title of that book, Jeffrey? The Ins and Outs of Leadership. The subtitle is A Guide to Maximize Return on Investment in the Workplace. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Oh, so clearly you've got some goals around the second book rolling already. Yes. But let's go back to uh, your transportation business. Let's go back to plan. Uh, if you offer, offer a glimpse into the future, you already mentioned that you just, you're just you topping around $2 million right now. What's the next chapter? What are some big goals that you've laid out in front of you so far? You know, where I want to get to, Todd, is I want to be at a million dollars per month in profit. So we're about 20% margin. So that means I'll have to do $5 million in sales to bring home $1 million. So that's a big number from where we are now. But, you know, the best marketing strategy that's ever been given to me was writing that book because the book is journaling about plan. So now instead of me giving a business card, I'm giving a book out. And mm -hmm. that's really helped us change um, revenue as far as bringing on new customers. I mean, I released the book in September and we've landed three new clients since. So I really believe that we'll hit that mark um, early next year. Awesome. Awesome. Big deal. That's that's awesome. So, uh, hey, one final question for you. Uh, what kind of advice would you offer to an aspiring entrepreneur who are just starting their journey and facing challenges in their business? I guess the one thing that I would encourage them to do is to find something that they love doing. Find something that they would be willing to do for free. Find something that they would be willing to suffer for until it starts to take off. You know, with my background being in the logistics and when COVID hit, and so many people being shut down, not being able to get supplies. I would have personally drove people's supplies all over the United States if I could. So I really have a passion for getting people their stuff when they need it to help their businesses and ideas grow. So that's what I will suggest to them. Awesome. Well, thank you for all that. Thank you for sharing so much detail around your journey and being so transparent with us today. Thank you for your time in general. I uh, wish you luck on the second book, Jeffrey. And it was great meeting you and learning more about your entrepreneurial journey. Uh, to everyone watching, I look forward to seeing you in our next episode.